Hey, welcome to the weekly. This is where we connect Calvary's weekend services to your real life lived Monday through Friday. My name is Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Pastor Jay Ewing. What's up, Thomas? How you doing, Jay? Merry Christmas, my friend. It it feels like Christmas all of a sudden. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. For those of you who can't see me right now, because we're on the radio podcast, <laughs> something. Jay's awesome wife, Kristen, who used to be a black apron barista. Maybe she still is a, I guess she still is a black apron barista. Once you're black apron barista, then you're always, you're always, okay. It's like Jedi training. Once you're a Jedi, you're just a Jedi. Okay. So Kristen is a Jedi barista. Yes. And I am sipping on a peppermint mocha. Yes. And you said it's your first one ever. I've never had a peppermint mocha. There, if you like, it tastes like Christmas in a cup. Okay. There you go. That's a good explanation. I only drink them in December. Chris I Barnes, a, I think, who's who's on staff with us, I was in a coffee shop with him in the middle of July. <laughs> middle of July. And I said, Chris, what do you want? And he said, I want a peppermint mocha. I said, you can't order a peppermint mocha. If my wife sees the receipt, she's going to assume I was with another woman. <laughs> That's great, my friend. Hey, it's better than taking Gary Osborne, who just orders a hot chocolate, no matter what time of year it is. No matter what time of year it is. <laughs> He's like, okay, Gary, you hot sure chocolate. you want a hot chocolate? It's 95 uh, degrees outside. Yeah, coffee. Yeah. coffee. I, I do love me some coffee. Hey, Christmas season is coming, so if you want to give your pastor something great, <laughs> Thomas will always take <laughs> coffee. He loves coffee. Hey, uh, how are you doing in 2020 for Christmas? Doing great, man. Yeah? Yeah. This week's a good week. Getting ready for our second prayer gathering this Thursday. Yeah. How was, incredible was that first one? Man, it was so good to be in the room. I mean, we, we've been gathering at Calvary with all the different ministries, men's, women's, students, at the church the whole season. On the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. Early. But we just haven't had a worship service in the worship center. And to have that for an hour yep. is such an encouragement. I haven't been in that room to sing praises to Jesus since February of 2020. Wow. Because the week before we were at Men's Advance. And so I even missed out on the last worship service at Calvary in that room this year. So it was just incredible, man. There was, was a lot of tear of joy. Absolutely. Tears of joy. So we're excited. If, if you don't know about this, go to calvarybible.com and look at the evenings of prayer. Our second one on all of our campuses is this Thursday, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. You can register to be in attendance in person or you can grab the live streaming link this last week, we streamed from the Erie campus, and on Thursday, we're going to stream live from the Thornton campus. Man, what a great ministry this is. And the technology, I was just blown away, the technology we have in 2020 to pull something off like that. We're not like calling in to hear a message or anything like that. It's just like, you get to watch online. It's so cool. It's amazing. It's amazing. What a time to be alive. I know, man. It's crazy, right? It's the, it's the best. I, I mean, all these ministries that keep rolling on, Bible studies, home groups that keep meeting like online because of COVID and the restrictions and all those type of things. I just keep thinking, what a grace that Jesus has given us that we can still do that. We're not like phone treeing in. You remember phone tree? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who the 10 people were that you had to call? Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. yeah, but we just get to see each other's faces still, get to participate in the word. It's just really cool. It was the phone tree kind of like the uh, friendship bread? Yeah, definitely. The Amish started the whole thing with friendship bread about 100 then, years ago. Then everyone got sick. <laughs> I've heard stories of that before. 
<laughs> I've never gotten sick off friendship bread. Yeah. I've actually enjoyed friendship bread when I've received it. Really? Yeah, man. I cannot pass down an empty carb or oh, coffee. No. Yeah. There's, there's no reason. Oh, man. I'm just thinking about coffee and carbs. I yeah. Had, yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get off on this. This is not a food podcast. This is not a food podcast, but we're talking about uh, hope this season of hope. And you know what? This is a great year to talk about hope. This is a year like no other. The year we can actually really slow down because a lot of those things that we used to do, a lot of those traditions we have are on pause this year and really focus on the main thing at Christmas time, not the hustle and bustle, but actually Christ. And so I'm super thankful for what Tom did on Sunday, what you're going to do this next week, Thomas, and just this Christmas season. Now, we hope is an interesting word. Give me a great working definition. I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't prep for this. What is a great working definition of hope? All right, so uh, maybe before I even answer that, I Ooh. think... The, the title of this series, A Thrill of Hope, comes from the song, The Christmas Carol, Oh Holy Night. And if it's a song you don't know, just go to Google or InfoSeek, whichever <laughs> search engine you, you use, and type in lyrics, Oh Holy Night. And there's this line that's repeated, A Thrill of Hope, that's where the title comes from. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And when we were looking at this song and, and thinking about the Christmas story, this is um, the hope encapsulated, is Israel sitting in a place like we sit today where we're just desiring a new morning, a new day to dawn, get through COVID, get past um, where we're at and just looking forward down, down to the future. And here at the Christmas story is that thrill of hope of what has been promised from generations for years and years and years of God breaking through and bringing his salvation, his Messiah. So what is hope? Yeah, what is hope? Yeah, what, what do you hope for? What, what, what's, the, what's the number one Christmas present, Jay, that you hoped for as a, as a kid? Oh, man, that has to be around about 11 or 12 years old. I asked for a ping pong table. Now, a little context of the ping pong table. My mom was a single mom, single parent at this time, okay? So she's, she's putting herself through nursing school, like, She's waking up at like 4 a.m. to study type, you know, season. Yes. Yeah, single moms, always superheroes, solo superheroes. parents, Amazing. superheroes. And uh, there's no way I'm going to get a ping pong table this year, right? Because you're on the naughty list. I'm on the naughty list. Yeah. And mom delivers a ping pong table that sits in the garage. And my best friend and I, that winter, played copious hours of ping pong through that season, that winter season of Amarillo, Texas. But really funny, you know, ping pong tables come with just probably like two paddles, two balls, you know. And so we're a single mom family, and we we dented a ball like day two in. So like we all, we're only down one ping pong ball. And my friend has an idea. He's like, I've seen this done by my uncle. If you light up lighter underneath it, it'll pull out the dent in the ping pong ball. Like, this is a great idea. <laughs> this is brilliant. I don't know how this would go wrong. Right. There's don't no you way. also need some gasoline, though? No, you do not. Oh, okay. You do not. You just need a little heat. But, um, you know, single mom, there's no way she's driving me to Walmart to buy new ping pong balls no for way. the next, like, three months. If it's broken, it's broken. So I'm in the living room trying to pull this dent out of the ball, and it catches fire. The ping pong ball catches fire, and I throw it across the living room underneath the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I like where this is going. And 
Luckily, nothing disastrous happened. It burned out really quick. It did not catch the Christmas tree on mm. fire. But I remember thinking, I'm in a lot of more trouble. T- more trouble. Yeah, totally. But I wasn't. And thankfully, it was just one of those m- memories of just throwing a ping pong, <laughs> a lit ping pong ball. <laughs> across the living room. All right, so let's let's use your awesome story of yeah. ping pong and um, and define hope. So here here's kind of the essence of hope. As I've been studying for this week, and as we talk about uh, the thrill of hope on Sunday, biblical hope is is so different than optimism. You know, optimism is like, hey, we can always find the silver lining in every story, or uh, wishful thinking, like I hope something comes, or I hope um, that you know whatever presents come under the Christmas tree. Yeah. I immediately think of Disney. Like Disney has a lot of movies about those two things. Yes. Optimism, wishful thinking. Yeah. Biblical hope, as I think Tom pointed out on Sunday, and we'll talk about every single week is not an optimism and it's not um, a wishful thinking. It is a person. And so hope is deposited in the person of God, in his personhood, which is who he is. And then in his promises, in what he has done and what he will do. Could you drill it down further and say it's in the person of Jesus Christ? It, it, yes, Jesus is God. That's correct. Yeah. But you just said God. So, like, we're talking about Old Testament God. We're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Like, where is yeah, hope? The fullness of God. So it's in the Christmas story of God himself in flesh and blood. Is the us. Father sending his Son by the power of the Holy Spirit? to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. But the, the idea of biblical hope is kind of like the ping pong story, is there is something in the future that you're waiting for. And so hope that's biblical because it's wrapped up in God isn't so much uh, the idea that your circumstances have to be all buttoned up. Um, you can actually be in the worst circumstances, which is where we see the prophets speaking about the coming of the Messiah, is they're in some of the worst circumstances possible, or there's invading armies soon to be on their front door that's going to make their life awful and take them into captivity. In the midst of that is where biblical hope is, found in the person of God as he promises the coming of Jesus Christ. So hope is this waiting on the Lord to do everything that he has promised to do because of who he is, that he's compassionate and merciful, that his judgments and his wrath, they don't last forever. Um, His heart towards us is love. And so someone who's putting their hope in God is the one who, in the midst of their circumstances, not being good, knowing who is good and what he will do. So let's, let's back up the train. I really like where you're going here. Like Hebrews 11, who talks about these people of the Old Testament. Verse one, now faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So biblical hope in that sense, when it talks about these people of faith, those who we read about, the prophets, Abraham, um, Moses, Isaac, all these like Sarah, all these Ruth, all these famous, famous um, people all had hope in something that you and I now get to see, right? Yeah, it's, it's hope realized on this side of, of Easter. I think you know, it's, it's fundamentally different as we look to the cross. But the same person, the character of God, is still there. They're looking at his exodus of what he's done to bring his people out of slavery into a land of promise. Um, or Abraham was the one looking forward to a promise, yet not realized. So, yeah, it's always wrapped up in the person. And that's where we as Christians have secure hope. Because 
if, if hope is a person and not simply the outcome of our optimism or wishful thinking, and that person is Jesus Christ, who is always, always truthful and fulfilling his promises, then our hope is a secure hope. Man, I think we need that more than ever these days as we live out our faith in some really unfamiliar times. Yeah, so take, take Psalm, we're, I think we're going to start here on Sunday, a little uh, heads up. So Psalm 39, 7, the psalmist says, And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. And just to think about that as the hope is you're depositing your future in a person, which is the Lord. So my hope is in you. So when the Bible speaks about hope, it's speaking about this waiting. And this waiting is a tension because it is not realized yet in the midst of your circumstances, but it's deposited in the one that you know your future is secure in. Wow. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. So like when... We'll probably unpack that with more clarity on Sunday. Well, no, it's it's fantastic. It really is. Tom talked a lot about this hope in the sense of um, darkness and light. Explain, like, what is that? What is that illustration supposed to do for us when we think about hope? All right. So when we think of darkness and light, I think Tom did a really great word picture of being in the middle of night at his house, and outside his house is pitch black, and then he throws open the front door, and light permeates darkness. So right. light always overcomes darkness. And they don't actually intermix. It's either light or you're in darkness. And so his example of throwing open the front door and light coming into darkness to expose and illuminate and show what's really there is a word picture the Bible uses all over the place. Light and darkness. Darkness and light. Even from the very beginning, the Lord, when he creates heavens and earth, he separates light and darkness. And so it would be really important for us to recognize this about light and darkness, that light and darkness are not like within us as competing energies, so to speak. Like there's not like, oh, you have some light and you have some darkness in you. And oh, we'll see what happens. Like two competing, you know, angels on your shoulders. Light and darkness as depicted in the scriptures are domains. There's a darkness, there's a domain of darkness and there's a domain of light. And you can't reside in both domains. And so let's go to First John. Yeah, I would think First John verse 5, right, is where we start picking up what really John, who saw Jesus, who lived with Jesus, um, understood of what the work of Christ was doing in the world. So let's pick it up. First John 1, 5, where are you going to go somewhere? Yeah, else? let's go. No, let's go start in verse 5. You want to read it? No, you go for it. Okay. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. So let's just start right there. So God is light. Uh, he, he doesn't have any darkness residing in him. And so to be in God is to be in light and to have no darkness even within your own self. But then there's this honest perception of, of who we are. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So talking about the practice of it. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So here he talks about his domain. So in God, in, in the residence of God, and if you're going to be in God's domain, that is light. There is no darkness in the domain of God. And that's why if you say, oh, you know what? Uh, I love God. I'm walking with God. But you have all of these practices that relate to the domain or the kingdom of darkness— then you, you're kind of making yourself out to be a liar and show and so prove that you don't belong to a domain called light. 
Okay, so the same can be true. You can have practices of light. So as Christians, what would be, as Pastor Thomas would think about, what would be some practices Christians could have that would bring about light? Well, it's any time that you're emulating, emulating who God is in his kingdom. So the practices in which you follow and obey God are the practices of light. Um, now what's, what's really cool here is that when, when you live in the light, it says that you um, actually have fellowship with one another because yep. you, can't, you can't be in the light. or so you, can't be, you can't be in the domain of darkness, in the region of darkness, and have, actually have true Christian fellowship with one another because you're hiding things, you're uh, keeping things, you're living a certain way, and you can't have true fellowship with one another. And so one of the practices is just the confession that, hey, you know what? I have, I've had habits where I have lived um, in, the, in the realm of darkness, and now I belong to God as a child of God, and I want to live as a child of God, and these things don't belong in my life anymore. And so you confess them to one another, and those confessions with one another is true Christian fellowship. That's, right. that's, a, that's a practice. It's just confession. That's a practice. I would say reading your scriptures in order to like realize what the light is so to continue to tell yourself, your heart, your mind, your soul every day, what it is to live in light. How do people live in light? I mean, reading the stories of the people of faith reveal to us what it is to be a person of light, to love light thing, the lightness, and to love God. Um, I think those are really important. Prayer would be another thing, like praying together. Actually, it was great to pray with you because in our fellowship, we were enjoying and honoring and being, I even say energized by being children of the light and praying to the Father. Yeah, so, so John, who writes, you know, the first, second, third John, is also the John of the apostles who writes the gospel of John. And this, this picture of light and darkness is important to him. So he even begins the whole gospel talking about this Jesus was life, and that life was the light of of men. And it says the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And so the whole picture of Jesus coming into the world was that the world was laying in darkness and a great, a great light shined into the darkness so that those who would love the light, love the things of Jesus, love the things of God would come to the light. But those people who don't come to Jesus don't come to the light. The reason they don't is because they want to stay in the region of darkness, in the domain of darkness. And so from fear of the light exposing their deeds, they kind of tuck themselves away further into darkness. And so, you know, John points out Jesus' words where he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So light is life. If you want to walk in true, real, free life, that is to live in this domain of light, of who God is. Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. That's, that's region language. Don't stay in the old region of darkness. Come and live in the regions of light. He says, the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. And our commissioning as even followers of Jesus Christ is to be lights of the world. I love this, like, because our identity is fundamentally changed from children of darkness to children of light, that we belong to him, he says, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That's Acts 26, 17. 
that he's sending the disciples out so that the world would see the light of, of life and that they would turn from darkness, which is a domain under the power of Satan, to come to the light, which is the domain and the power and life of God. So, yeah, I would say even the Apostle Paul picks up on this metaphor of light when he talks about even in Ephesians 5, which you pointed out earlier when we were talking, is like he says there, therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, taking no part in the unfruitful work of darkness, but instead exposing them. I mean, that's just an incredible. And he says this. He gives the final encouragement for all these things by saying, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's a resurrection language. Like, you live a resurrected life, so you continue. I mean, this is a perfect time of year to do this. You get up before sunrise because it's pretty late in the morning, and you watch the light expose the mountains in your backyard or your parking lot of your apartment. And it reminds you that this resurrection life is about raising once again and letting Christ shine on you, in you, through you, and your story. Yeah, I don't know about you, Jay, um, but I relate to why people love darkness. Oh, is, yeah. is because in darkness you can hide things, right? So... You hide things in closets. You hide things under beds. You hide things um, where light isn't obvious, where people aren't looking. And I, I think about my own life. Um, before knowing Christ, man, I, I, I've let very few people know and see my life because I was ashamed and I was guilty of the things that I've done. I was embarrassed of um, places that I'd been where, where my eyes had wandered, things I'd participated in, and I wanted nothing to do with people. And then there was just this incredible transformation that happens for those who believe in Jesus Christ, where God exposes all those lights. And, and, and you almost feel like this guilt and shame of like, oh my gosh, I am fully known. And it's, it's, you could go down to this road of embarrassment. But instead, as the light shines, because who the light is, this is what the hope in, in the person is so good, where the light shines, there's also his life and his love, which is wrapped up in his grace and forgiveness. And so simultaneously, as you're being exposed for all the things that you have done and the shame and guilt that I have, at the same time, it's being cleansed and washed away so that life can exist now. Yeah, and for me, it came out into freedom, like true freedom. It would think it would not be freedom to have all of the things of your past, of your sin, of your darkness exposed, but it brings out actually freedom like real livable, tangible freedom in Christ, in relationship with other believers, in relationship to one another. And there's no better place to live, honestly. It's the best place to live. Yeah, it, I, absolutely. And because you are children of light, it means I no longer belong to darkness. Now, I might still mess up and have sins, but that's not who I am. I belong and am fully identified as a child of God who is of the light. You had mentioned the Apostle Paul. He, he writes another letter to the church in Thessalonica where he says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Like, like Those have no 
um, ownership over me. God has cleansed me from all my past, present, and future sins, and I'm called now to walk in the new identity that I have. Oh, man, it's such good stuff. Let's take a commercial break. I want to hear what's going on in the life of the Calvary, and then we'll be back, talk about how you practice being children of light in this great season called Christmas. It's a perfect opportunity to start some new practices in your life to be children of light. Let's take a commercial break. Hey friends, I just want to remind you that prayer nights are happening this Thursday and next Thursday. Get on CalvaryBible.com. We would love to have you either in person or online to pray with us as we prepare our hearts for this new season that God is calling Calvary to as we prepare to come back together to worship together um, in person and online. So just join us. I can't stress how enough how awesome these nights are going to be. Uh, you don't want to miss. Also, we got Christmas caroling coming up in the month of December. You can go to calvarybible.com. You can find out the information about Christmas caroling on your campus. Also, for Heart of Advent, there's a click away talking about what Calvary's doing this season in the Heart of Advent. You don't want to miss what God's doing in our schools and our neighborhoods, um, specifically on all of our campuses this season. Jump in with us as we spend less, give more, and worship fully. Also, there's really something really cool coming up. Uh, in the next month, we're going to be inviting Calvary into, um, in 2021, uh, reading some great books. And one of the books that we will start with is this book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And you want to uh, grab that early, get started reading it, purchase it on Amazon. Don't worry, we're going to give you some details about that um, in the coming weeks. But we really want you to... Um, make in 2021 a great Christian library, a great start to stuff that will really encourage you to be children of the light. Um, and I can't wait for you to hear this um, discussion we're going to have on this podcast about a book recommendation coming up um, in January. Okay, friends, let's jump back into it with Thomas. We're talking about being children of the light and how do we practice this in the Advent season with um, either by ourselves or we're with our families. Um, to make it really a, just a meaningful, meaningful Christmas. Let's jump back in. All right. All right. So, I, I, Jay, I just think ultimately it comes down to us being honest with ourselves and asking ourselves, do we love to hide? Do we love to keep ourselves hidden from other people and ultimately from God? Like, at least pretend to keep um, ourselves hidden from God, because God can see everything. And the, probably the most frustrating place for Christians that I have witnessed are those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, been radically changed and possessed by Him as children of the light, and then still trying to practice all of these old affections and love for a different domain. And it's miserable. It's absolutely miserable because now you're like this glowing light bulb walking around in your life and everything you do, you feel guilty for and you're exposed because the Holy Spirit's in you saying, hey, child, like you don't belong here. You, you belong to God. And I think once we recognize our new identity in Christ, that it is settled and that we are now called to a different domain, to live out of a different domain, then we find ourselves um, in that, what you're talking about, that joy of freedom. 
and being able to really praise God for what he has done. Peter put it this way, this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So we have to recognize our identity is in Christ, and we are children of the light, and we have no business in old domains, and they will only frustrate and make us miserable. We have been set free from those, and we're, we're called now to now go into the world and use what we've been given, which is light, right. to expose darkness, to bring life where, where death is. Um, I don't know. That's what gets me really excited. Yeah, it gets me really excited. But also, I just want to be honest, and even my own faith, I have to come back to this question over and over again. Do I believe deeply, like, the, the belief that, of knowing that Jesus is good enough to mend and care for those things that are dark still in me? Like, that's the ultimate question, right? Is Jesus good enough to be that Savior to know all of me? And will, if, he, if he is, will he still love me? Will he still care for me? Will he still want me to be a part of him when he knows the darkness in me? Yeah, I think that's where this, this conversation of darkness and light as domains and not characteristics of us ourselves has to find root in our life. That it's not that, oh, there's darkness in you, and we'll see if Jesus is going to love you or not. It's you belong to him, and you are light. What he sees is you perfected in Christ. Um, as one author put it this way, he says, it's critical or crucial to take note that the, um, the darkness is not simply equivalent to sin or wrongdoing. It is a realm that opposes and is hostile to God. This realm is characterized by those who have disobedience and lack of relationship to God. And you have a relationship with God. And so you don't belong to this domain. You belong to the domain of light and life in Jesus Christ. And we have to continually be reminded of who God says we are, who we are, who he has made us to be, who has saved us to be. We are radically changed from being children of darkness to now being children of light. It's not children with a little bit of darkness and a little bit of light in us. It's we are children of light and darkness has no place in us. Man, such an encouraging word for me, my friend. Such an encouraging word. So how do we practice this in Advent? So we're, you know, the church is going through Advent. Um, it's a great season to be reminded of um, Christ's great rescue miss mission sent down from heaven to earth in the form of a baby. How do we prepare our hearts, our actions to be children of the light in this season? Well, one of them, I think, goes back to our passage we read in First John, where it says, if you're children of the light, then you have fellowship with one another. And so the practice of the Advent season should be within the community of believers. Yeah. That we don't practice um, the Christmas season of Advent, waiting for the Lord's arrival, um, be encouraged with hope, joy, love, all the, the characteristics of Christmas alone, that we want to be with one another, being around. If that's even on a virtual or digital platform, we still need to be in fellowship with one another. We do, man. That's a great reminder. Also, one of the things that my family did last week is we had a meal on Wednesday night with only candlelight, and it was turn off all the lights in the house and participate in eating a meal together. And I have little kids, so it was a great illustration of how the light of the world came and how the people of God, how the world lived in darkness before Christ. And so if you have a family and you want to do a great little uh, dinner 
preparation, just easy enough. Just light a candle, turn off all the lights in the house, and eat by candlelight. It's a great reminder of the light of the world. Yeah, that sounds sounds. I'm, your 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 family's awesome, man. No, it's I'm not, man. So I, I struggle with reading the scriptures to my kids like everyone else does. Well, we appreciate your Advent guide. Yeah, man, it's been really good. I it's really been a, a challenge to translate some of those Bible passages, some of those prophecies into this everyday language for my kids to understand, for me to understand. Even. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some amazing promises that God set forth before Jesus to really prepare our hearts for the arrival of Christ. And just encouraging, just encouraging to see 800 years before Jesus, the people of God were prepping their hearts for their arrival. Well, may I encourage you guys with this before Jay kind of benedicts here is that if you are a child of God through the work of Jesus Christ, as John told us, he has purified you from all your sins, every single one of your sins. And now with the courage of having all your sins, having been forgiven, you can walk as a child of light. And I will say, my friend, simply enough, amen. Amen. It's good to be with you. Hey, Calvary, we love to hear from you. Write us at the weekly if you have questions about the sermon or just wrestlings with you and your faith. We love to get those. It's been so encouraging to see you guys write to us. I continue to do that practice. We love seeing those things. We'll answer those questions as they come about. Uh, that's at the weekly, the weekly at calvarybible.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. I hope you tune in, get plugged in join us this Christmas season. We have a special Christmas for you, for your family, for your faith this Christmas at Calvary. The thrill of hope, man, it's going to bless the socks off you. I guarantee you. We love being with you. My name's Jay. This is Pastor Thomas. We're so thankful you're listening. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.